Election Day, Pastor Travis from City Church. What you did you vote? Of course I did. That's my civic responsibility, man. I'm going to render <laughs> unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render unto God what belongs to God. So absolutely, man, I uh, definitely did. Well, I, I took Lindsay today. You know, she's uh, she's actually 22, but um, I took her in there today, man, and um, took it was her first time voting, and awesome. it was awesome, man. It was it was kind of cool, man, to take my daughter in there and let her experience that. You know, you know, I, I mean. You, you can't never appreciate the freedom of being able to go out and do something like that, man. And all the people who died sure. and fought and about persecution, you yeah. name it, so yeah. that we could go out and we could elect our officials and stuff like that, man. So, um, you know, I just, uh, I'm just praying that no matter what happens, no matter how the turnout is, that people act civil yeah, and that we, uh, that we don't, you know, things don't get out of hand. I mean, yeah. it's been kind of ugly up to now. So, at but the, at the end of the day, Jesus is still on the throne. I mean, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, and I'm still going to love people like crazy. Uh, we're just in a weird season, man. People need to understand that it's okay to be diverse without causing division. Yeah, you, it's, you know, it's okay to have a different thought process. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I mean, you know, just because hey, I'm not going to agree with you, because we both be wrong. Yeah, but, come you know. on. <laughs> <laughs> but man, um, so I was, I went back and I listened to your message today uh, before I went and saw George. George is my mentor, and I love him. And um, being Crystal Goo, and we see him on Tuesday mornings, and I was listening to it, man. And I'm just, I love the word God's giving you right now, man. I'm telling you right now, you are, you are getting some, some extremely good revelation. And uh, just want to talk a little bit about that message because it was so good that if somebody didn't have a chance to listen to it, you ought to go back and take a listen to it. But you was talking about all the nuggets that God gave you, and I just want you to share some of that with us, man, because um, I loved, I loved, I, and you know, not only do I love what God's given you, I love the way that He gives you these ideas of the illustrations that you did with Justin, man. I mean, those are those are the kind of things that some people don't learn by listening, some people don't learn. Uh, by hearing some people learn by visual and some people right. will just take that visual and that will just be you know ingrained in their mind for a long time so just um you know that was a great message man but so let's just let's dig into a few of those nuggets man well i mean the whole series was above and beyond and i truly do believe that god has called us to live a life above the norm and beyond our own ability we can see that through ephesians three twenty that our God does exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think, but it's according to the power that works within us. And so, you know, having a, a, a church that's powerful and really affecting broken, lost humanity. I mean, there's a few principles in Acts chapter three with Peter and John going to the temple because uh, that's what they did. That's what you're supposed to do. You go to church, right? You know, right. And I think a lot of times if we're not careful that we'll we'll spend most of our time going to church instead of being the church. And there was a man that was laid at the gate called Beautiful that was born lame. In other words, that's as far as he could go. Like that was his his spot, that's where he begged for money, that's where he gained his resources. But the Bible also says Peter and John went to church or went to the temple daily. So that means that every day he they had to walk past this man that was lame until one day something different happened. Yeah. And so I think unless we look at broken, hurting humanity through the lens of compassion, because that's ultimately what happened with Peter. 
it isn't that what he saw changed. It's how he sees it. Right. And I think if we're really going to operate in the in the power that God has placed within us, how do we see the world around us? Because you can be super spiritual. You could be used mightily by God. And you could get so fixated on going to church and going to prayer that you you don't be the church. And yeah. so how, how do you see the, the world around you? And not only that, the fact that the gate was called beautiful. Right. Well, I'm sure it was. It was a beautiful gate. Um, we've got some beautiful churches. They're awesome. They're beautiful, big structures, building big, beautiful gates going into them. But at the end of the day, if we look at this season, man, we can look at the same thing and draw different conclusions. If, if this whole year has taught us anything, that we can look at the same exact same thing and come to a different conclusion. And this man that was born lame, that gate didn't look so beautiful. No. Like that gate was a, a reminder, I'm broken, I'm lame, I'm busted, I... Am limited in my life, and so what everybody else was calling the beautiful gate, I bet this guy was calling it the burden, the gate of burden, the gate of brokenness. And yeah, I think about this man. You know, not only was he there every day asking for just what he needed to survive, you got to think about the fact that he had to have people that would take him there. I mean, it, yeah. it, it didn't like he had, they didn't have Uber back then, so you had to have some people that were committed to come and pick him up at his house to pick him up and towed him over to this gate and sitting there. So you, it just wasn't, you know, that gate didn't just have a different perspective from his eyes. Yes. It also had a different perspective from those eyes that were willing to take him. And I would be willing to bet that the people that were taking him were getting a cut. Possibly. I mean, <laughs> no. I, yeah, I mean, I would, I never looked at it that way, but I'd, I'd be willing to bet, you know, um, Broken, fallen man rarely is doing anything without personal gain. You well, know you, what I mean? <laughs> I mean, um, so when 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 they reach down and grab him and he receives his healing, they just lost their income. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I love to think about when you say compassion, man. You talk about compassion, and I love to when I look in Scripture and I read through the Bible. I love how Jesus, when you see the miracles that Jesus performed, almost always, almost always. It would say Jesus had compassion right before he would perform a miracle, and then you go back and you look at the, and you look at the, um, oh, I'm sorry, what, the Good Samaritan, the story about the Good Samaritan, the same thing. You know, the original question in that whole story, the original question was, you know, how can I receive eternal life? How can I be, you know, receive eternal life? And Jesus goes through this entire story about the Good Samaritan, and it all comes back to one thing. The one that had compassion, the one that sees the need and has compassion is the one that has eternal life. And I'm going to tell you, man, that's so true in my life. I can tell right. you that. I mean, it's, you know, I heard you in the message talking about when we pull up and we see somebody standing there with a sign. You know, man, that is a heartstring of mine, man, because I look at those people and the first thing that goes through my mind is what's going on in their life? What, what brought them to this destination that they're in right now? Because realistically i don't know that there's anybody that i've ever met that wants to be in that scenario no, you know what i'm saying and if and if you if you really think about it if you stop and you go and you and you ask somebody or if you just say hey man step to the side and let me hold your sign for 10 minutes and see what this feels like yeah and so this is what my kids came up with when it comes to those people that stand there this was crazy man 
So they went out and they bought a bunch of subway cards and cards from fast food restaurants and stuff like that, and that's what they give to them. Oh, that's awesome. Because they, they didn't want to give them something to hurt them. Right. So they gave them something that could help them mm-hmm. without hurting them. So sure. I thought that was brilliant. I didn't come up with that idea. Right. Well, anytime I, you know, and I teach people this as far as anytime you have compassion towards something, it's God's like he's inviting, he's trying to invite himself into that situation because compassion is love expressed. And so anytime you have compassion, not, not, it isn't that just God can love, he is love. And right. so it's God trying to invite himself into this situation through your life. And so when we start looking through the lens of compassion, we become hypersensitive to circumstances and situations that God is trying to intervene and in trying to make a difference in that person's life, like to reveal himself. I like a lot of times people are trying to find fault, right? Ascribe blame. Like, uh, I mean, what choices did you make? What decisions did you make? Why are you standing here? Why are you laying here? Is it, was it him who sinned or was it their father or my, and so broken fallen humanity doesn't need people to ascribe blame and find fault and point fingers. They just need a hand of grace extended to them because it's an opportunity for God's love and mercy and goodness to show up in a real tangible way. And if we're going to be a church that lives above the norm and beyond our own ability, we're going to have to be sensitive to compassion when we look through the lens of compassion and discern God is wanting to show up not to make me awesome, but to reveal how awesome he is in the lives of broken, fallen humanity. And we'll never be a, ch- a church above the norm and beyond our own ability if we're looking through the lens of criticism. Right. You, you ain't got you got you don't have to look far. You just go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> and you know the believers are responding the same way as everyone else. And it's like, man, um, have some compassion. In other words, be sensitive to how God's wanting to reveal Himself in a situation, and it's and it's in such a way that he can reveal his love and goodness to somebody that's broken, hurting or far from him, because ultimately that's the plan and purpose of God. You know, we often like to hide behind the cloak of prayer, right? You know what I mean? Cause that's where Peter and John were going. They were going to the three o'clock prayer. And you know, we, if you're uber spiritual, I've done it. You've probably done it. We've all done it. Hey, let me pray about that. Right. And the reality is, yeah, you need to pray about everything, but there's, one thing that you can you can take to the bank is that you can extend a hand of grace to broken, fallen humanity. That's the purpose and the plan of God. And so, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is Peter seen through the lens of compassion, but he also said, right? He said, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have, I give thee rise and walk in the name of uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so if we're going to be a church that's above the norm and beyond our own ability, not only are we going to have to change the world, you know, change how we see the world around us, what are we saying about what we see? Right. Well, you think about, you talk, you know, you use that illustration of the beggar on the side of the road. Now, if there's anybody that's fallen down in life, it's him oh, yeah. or her, yeah. whoever it may be. And so you think about this, you know, if you took out there and the guy sitting at the gate of beautiful, if, if, if John... I mean, if Peter would have had gold in one hand, silver in one hand, and said, but there's also a miracle that you can receive back your your, your, your physical strength and you can walk. Which one do you think he would have picked? 
<laughs> you know, that's an easy choice. He would have picked the healing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when we see somebody in the world that's hurting and that has all this stuff going on in their life, you know, and if you said, I have money or I have, you know, whatever, uh, some kind of tangible item, or I have the miracle of Jesus coming in and taking this brokenness, this fallenness in your life and bringing you back upright to a good standing, what are they going to pick? Yeah. They don't even realize most of the time which one they would actually pick. Mm-hmm. But in reality, after you and I have gone through what we've been through, the testimonies that we have, trust me, man, I wouldn't go back for gold and silver. No, no. I wouldn't trade this for anything, man. No, bro- broken, fallen humanity, they think they need one thing, but they actually need another, right? And so when we have conversations, when we learn to uh, have life-given conversations about the world we see around us, we can have conversations that are grounded in, in grace and grounded in truth. Like the truth is I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I do give. And as a church as a whole, if we can have a heart posture and a position of the gift I have is the gift I give, God, we could begin to change the world, you right. know, and it's like, man, I know you think you, you, you want this, you want silver, but I got something that you need. What you really need is healing and transformation. And the only thing that's going to bring that is the power of Jesus Christ. Let me extend a hand of grace and invite Jesus into the situation so that you can experience the love, the compassion and the goodness of God, because that's that's what we are as ambassadors. That's the, the hope of the world is the local church. And until we start seeing through the lens of compassion, start having life-giving conversations, then we can start affecting uh, the world that we see around us. And the fact that, you know, the man really, he wasn't healed when Peter saw, right? He wasn't healed when even Peter said. He was healed when Peter pulled. Right. Now, I'm going to say, and I made this statement. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a grace guy. I went to a grace Bible college. Um, but at the end of the day, if your faith isn't causing you to flex, then you, your faith is, is useless. In other words, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, man, you know, people's lives are messy. It's easier to, to say, uh, rise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and just keep on walking by. But the man wasn't healed when Peter said. The man was healed when Peter cooperated with the with the plan and the purpose and the power of God, which is extending a hand of grace to touch, to tangibly touch people's lives who's messed it up. Oh, you know what else I think about when you say that until you're willing to flex and touch? When Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and they handed him the fish and the loaves, that didn't multiply in Jesus' hands and him hand it to the disciples. When he handed it, when they flexed, when they were willing to take their portion, it started multiplying supernaturally in the hands of the disciples. Yeah. Well, God invites humanity into his plan. I mean, he's sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he chose to partner with humanity to work through us. Um, and so at the end of the day, when Peter started flexing, God started fixing. Oh, yeah, he did. And I think about this, too. You know, when they were out after he fed the 5,000 and they're out in the boat. Oh, yeah. And, you know. The waves are getting crazy, and the disciples are getting freaked out, and they see Jesus walking on the water, and he and he comes up, and they say they, they discover it's him. And I love the way that one of the one of the gospels says that he was going to walk by. I think yeah. it's Mark, and then the other one says that they cried out, mm-hmm. and we got to cry out to Jesus sometimes when we're in a storm. But this is the beautiful thing: there was only one disciple willing to flex. Yeah, there was only one that was willing to step out of what seemed to be the safest place, is in the boat. And Peter said, no, 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 
the safest place in this storm is not in this boat like you think it is. It's with Jesus. Yeah. And he was willing to get out. He was willing to flex. Yep. And who did Jesus found the church on? Yep, the rock. The right. rock. Yeah. I mean, I just love to see those different things in the Bible where these people did those kind of things. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Peter, he took a lesson, you know, of course, from Jesus out of Matthew 14 when that, you know, the whole storm and him walking on water. Um I bet he was very appreciative that Jesus didn't walk up to him and try to figure out and find fault and ascribe blame. And, you know, hey, Peter, you lost your focus. You should have kept your eyes on me. That's why you're seeing. No, Jesus didn't walk over there and start pointing out his faults and his failures. Jesus just walked over there and extended a hand of grace, goodness, love, and mercy and pulled Peter's behind up. He was drowning in doubt, and he was sinking in sin just like myself, just like you, Skipper, and just like the world. And when we extend a hand of grace just like Jesus instead of having this heart posture and position, whose fault is it? Right. Right. We want We want to. Yeah, we're all broken. We all, I mean, none of us would be where we're at unless there was an, a hand of grace extended to us. And so Peter's saying, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, what Jesus has given me, I got like this gift of healing. And so the gift I have is the gift I give. Unlike Ananias and Sapphira, their whole, mm. yeah, the gift I have is the gift I hold, right? right? You right, know what yeah. I mean? And so, man, there's, I, and I'm just going to say this, and I said it Sunday, I wonder who's just playing church, right? going through the motion. Uh, you can tell who's just playing church because they have a heart posture and position. The gift I have is the gift I hold. Right. That and, that esteem. <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you, you know, Travis, that's so true, man, because I tell people all the time, I said, I don't watch people talk. I watch people's fruit. Mm -hmm. I'm a fruit inspector, man. Sure. So, I mean, you can tell me all you want, how much you love Jesus, but I'm watching how you're living. I'm watching what you're saying. I'm watching what you're doing. I'm sure. seeing if you got some compassion. And the reality of it is, man, is that, if you look at, especially right now, with the dynamic of what's going on in our political environment, and you see um, this this total division, but what I see, this is just me, what I see is I see one side that's just angry, hurting, that's in need of some truth, and then I see a side that's, you know, doing the best they can to head in that direction, and then our job as Christians is to live a life in front of them that they can say, you know what, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but I want some of whatever he's got. Yeah, and lip, I mean, lights have no lips, baby. They just shine. I mean, our lives preach um, without having to say a word. And so how we love, you know, when, when we when we don't engage people and extend a hand of grace and we, we act, the, I mean, and, and we're poor witnesses, uh, man, it's so ineffective for the kingdom. I mean, at the end of the day, God created man and create and, and created him in such a way that there's a there's a void in his life. And when we reflect Jesus, I mean, humanity comes comes running, you know, to it. It's it's like those wandering around in the darkness and the lights turned on. And you notice like with the woman, the woman at the at the well, Jesus was able to have a conversation, a very serious conversation about some of her faults and failures and past mistakes and damaged relationships and shacking up with a guy. And, you know, it was pretty, yeah. it was pretty intense. She, <laughs> she tried, <laughs> she tried to go theological on it and tried to backpedal. I mean, and all in all, it was a, a pretty tense um, conversation. I'd, I'd say it was seasoned with, it was definitely grace and truth seasoned, you know, pretty seasoned and hard relationship. But you notice she didn't leave until the disciples showed up. Yeah. And this is crazy. 
she left without the one thing that was her life source, was which was her jar. Sure. And and I think a lot of times if we're not careful, broke, fallen humanity, those that are hurting, they don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with Jesus' followers, especially when we don't act like Jesus. Because the first thing the disciples did when they came back from the town, I want you to— I want you to grasp this. The first thing that they did when they come back from the town, they were criticizing and wondering why he's talking to a woman. Now, they may not have verbalized it harshly with their with their text, with what they said, but I guarantee you their body language was looking in such a way that this woman felt like she needed to leave the situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and so what I find amazing is that there was Jesus followers, right? People that were close to close to Christ. I mean, going from town to town to village to village. Went into a city and all they went into a town and all they brought back were hamburgers, right? <laughs> That's right. That's all they brought back was hamburgers. They passed by the same people, the same shops, the same street that this woman went on, and she brought back the whole entire city. And so when we, when we stay more focused on hamburgers versus the harvest, because that's what God feeds on. I have food that you know nothing of, right? Right. And so they brought back hamburgers. But this woman, because she had an encounter with Jesus, brought back a harvest. And when we reflect the image, the love, the mercy, and the goodness of God, people will follow us to encounter the true, authentic person of Jesus, hands down. Oh, yeah. It's great, man, when you start thinking about, thank God, John, you know, recorded that sure. encounter. At the well, you know, I love that. I love those stories that John wrote about that nobody else wrote about. But I just love when I think about the woman at the well. You know, I love that picture of how Jesus shows mercy and grace to a female that has had a very, very colored past. Yeah. Because in our culture, there's a lot of women out there, man, that have had some mistakes in their past, mm -hmm. and they don't think that they are able to be used by God because of the things they've done in their past and the mistakes that they've made. But Jesus takes the time to, you know, it, to inspire John mm -hmm. to write about this woman at the well. And he also took the time in the genealogy in the beginning of Matthew to point out that a harlot was in the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, man, the essence of the gospel, and we can see this in Luke 15, and I'll be touching on it Sunday, is that so often we think that our behavior dictates and determines our belonging. Right. And God wants that the gospel is it's your belonging that dictates and determines your behavior. And when I established like when the prodigal son came home, all his crazy behavior didn't didn't have any impact on him belonging. Hey, get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes and get the fatted calf. We're about to have a party up in. Right. It had like, yeah, I know you were a knucklehead. And when we start establishing the fact that broken, lost humanity belongs to God. Right. And and we can really present a platform for the gospel the essence of the gospel that god loves you he's not mad at you he's for you he wants to help you he wants to extend unmerited unearned favor you watch their behavior start changing once they know they they belong and their identity and is in christ and man and discover his goodness and his faithfulness their behavior will be a byproduct of them actually understanding i belong to a king and i belong to a god and i'm a child that is anointed for purpose Man, they'll start changing the way they behave. But as long as we have this idea of because I behave this way, I'll never belong. Then the enemy, watch this, shame's got a voice. Amen. And shame will keep you out of 
the family of God, it'll keep you in that pig pen. Shame has a voice that will keep talking to you and talking to you. That's why it's important for moms and dads for us to establish you belong in spite of your behavior. Man, I can't wait for Sunday. Hey, hey ain't nothing like what you, you shared with me whenever we came to the church about a year ago and you texted me afterwards and talking about my son Fisher. He, I think he was nine or eight yeah. at the time, and he's in the children's church, and the pastor comes up and says, what's your name? And he says, Fisher. And he says, well, why'd your parents name you that? And he said, because I'm a fisher of men. That's right. And see, that's you just pour that identity into your kids, mm-hmm. man, that, this is who you are, yep. and that's what you do when you minister to people. You are encouraging them. You're telling them, look, God's got a plan for your life, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for you mm-hmm. are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, yep. and this is the beauty of it, which he prepared in advance. Yep. In other words, all the provision you need to do, everything that God's called you to do is there. And what does he tell you in Matthew chapter 7? Mm-hmm. Ask, seek, and knock, and it will be given to you. And so I just love the concept of being an encourager, being someone that you know doesn't abuse grace but understands how to balance it with truth yeah it it grace empowers you to be and to do all that god has called you to do man it's uh it's an amazing journey man i can't i can't wait for this sunday i'm gonna unpack some more truths man and uh it's gonna be an awesome time in the lord man i can't wait Good deal, good deal, man. Well, I thank you for coming today, yes, man. Yes, it's always a and pleasure. And listen, um, I'd, I'd love to, you know, keep doing these things with you, man, because I can tell you right now, I just, I love the way God just works between me and you when we talk about the Word. And uh, this is kind of, you guys are basically are getting a little bit of an eavesdrop into our phone calls. Yeah, this, this is, is what, what we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I love you, man. Thank love you for you, being here, man. And, hey, everybody out there, we just want to tell you we love you. God's got a plan for you. He cares about you. He wants to see great things in your life. And the only peop- the only person that can stop those great plans is you yourself, man. So if you get any questions, call me or call Pastor Travis. We'll get that information at the end of this video. And uh, we just want to tell you we love you, man. Jesus loves you. And he's got a great plan, and it's time for you to start living it. See you later. Thanks, Pastor. You got it. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to A Voice in the Wilderness podcast with Skipper Hare. You can stay connected with us and our family on our YouTube channel, Hare Days Uncut. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you'd like more information or to support FCA Outdoors, go to fcaod.org.